0: morning, Redemption Tempe. Hey, my name is John. I'm one of your pastors here. It's great to see you guys. Thanks for being here on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, We are doing something really cool today as we continue our series in Revelation, looking at Revelation 5 today. Uh, before we pause on our Revelation series next week. We're launching into Advent next week. And so this will be our last week of Revelation until the new year. And you guys get to hear from one of my dear friends who's on our staff, Michelle Duarte. Give him a hand. Yes. Michel has been a dear friend of mine for over a decade now. Um, he's on our staff here. He is the Director of Local and Global Hospitality. And he is going to be diving into Revelation 5, a very specific passage that we think is really important for the life of our church on God's heart for the nations. And Michel is up here because he is the best guy to preach this message and he can preach it in four different languages if he wanted to. So. Uh, You guys get the opportunity to hear from him and you guys will be blessed. I know that as we were at the 9 a.m. service. And so I'm gonna pray for him and then Michelle is gonna take it away. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for revelation. Thank you, Jesus, that your heart is for the nations, every tribe, tongue, language, and people. And Lord, thank you for Michelle. Thank you for his story. Thank you for how you've brought him here to our church. And Spirit of God, I pray that you would speak through him. Um, Lord, that you would shape our church through your word this morning and use Michelle as your mouthpiece to do it. It's in your name, amen.
1: Amen. All right, good morning. Okay, so I'm really, really excited to be here with you. And this is actually my, uh, well, not my first anymore, second time sharing with Redemption Temple, but the first time with you. So I feel like because it's the first time that you get to hear me as a church, I get a little bit more freedom to share a little bit of my story and why I'm here. And today we're going to hear about God's heart for the nations and specifically how that applies to His mission and our mission. But um, I cannot talk about God's heart for the nations without talking about my own story because that's why I'm here. And that's why you can understand me right now because my first language is Portuguese. So I also, my, my, my story starts like, um, my daughter's gonna get annoyed at me right now if she's here. But when I was 14 years old, she's turning 14 this week. So I keep telling her, it's like I know that, I know I've heard that story. But when I was 14 years old, um, uh, a girl that I liked uh, invited me to church. So this is like early 90s in Brazil. Uh, it was not cool to be a Christian to go to church at all, like to be a believer. Um, but you know, I liked this girl, and she invited me to church, and I said, sure, I'll go anywhere with you. You know, <laughs> I'll go to that weird thing there. You know, sure. Um, and long story short, so I, I go and there's there something happened that day. I remember the very first day I walked into a, like a Baptist church. It was a Baptist church service, and you know I had grown up in a mix of um, Brazilian, um, what's it called in English, like Spiritism, and then Catholic. So it was like a really mixed religion growing up. So I walk into this Baptist service for the first time, and they were singing right it was during the worship time, and they were praising God and. You know, when, you, when, you're not a, when you're not around Christians, when it's the first time in a church and everything, everything's pretty much really weird. Like, you, you know, you get used to it after a while, but like how they talk and everything, you're like, what are they talking about, right? So, but there is something that happened even to a 14-year-old boy that walked into that church that day, and I, you know, I wasn't really, I don't remember which songs they were singing. They're probably talking about stuff in the Bible that I had no idea what meant or anything, but something happened that day. And I really, like, when I look back, I was like, it was God's presence. Like, I felt God's presence for the first time. And something really began to steer in my life. And so I did what everybody does when they're excited about something. So whether or not you think, like, oh, do I have a gift for evangelism or not? Like, if you're excited about anything, about your new phone, about your team, whatever it is, right, what do you do? you talk about it, right? You can't help but talk about it. So that, that was me as a new Christian. I just couldn't help but tell everybody about it. And then someone who wasn't even a Christian gave me a Bible, and that was my first Bible. And I remember I got that Bible and I was super excited, and I, you know, I was in vocation school um, in Brazil, which is like an all-day deal. Um, so basically, you're there from morning to end of the afternoon learning a vocation and going through your junior high or whatever is at the point. And I remember I'd open the Bible during lunch break and I would start reading the Bible for the first time, super excited, wow, God created everything, I didn't know that. (laughs) It's like, you're like going, everything is new. So, and then of course, like half of the guys with me are sleeping, the other half is kind of paying attention. But out of that group of guys, a group of us like became Christians, became followers of Jesus. And back in the day, um, probably most of you didn't experience this, but we had this thing called altar call that after every service, they would be like, you know, close your eyes now. And they would play some soft music in the background. Raise your hand if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to dedicate your life to Jesus. So they would do that. So, so I, went, I went forward. And then the next Sunday, I went forward again. And the next Sunday, again and again. Until someone finally came next to me and said, it's okay, Jesus got you now. You don't need to keep coming to the front, right? Because I, I thought, like, they're asking, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to dedicate? It's like, Yes. They asked again, yes, it's still yes. <laughs> they didn't tell me that I didn't need to go there every time. Um, so out of, that, out of that group of guys that kind of went through the same story, we're all part of a, a prayer group at that point. So there's a, a prayer meeting happening in a neighborhood that was a, like a drug dealing neighborhood in the city where I grew up. And the police wouldn't go there. But if you walked in with a Bible or if you walked in to buy drugs, then you had free pass. Free pass. You could go in, right? So the guys, the drug dealers on the corner would say, hey, what are you doing, brother? Are you coming to the church? Yes, yeah, yeah. So we'd go to the, the, this person's prayer meeting. And out of that prayer meeting, lots of us really started to get on fire for Jesus. And we did what all of you did when you were 14. We bought big banners that said, Jesus loves you. And we would go to a traffic light and then we'd go and talk to people. We'd stop and then talk to people. And that's how we spent most of our weekends uh, as a group of 14, 15-year-old boys. Um, so long, long story short, like from there, God gave me the opportunity to join a, a discipleship training program with two brothers who had been missionaries in many countries, planted churches in different countries, and through participating in a radio program on a pirate radio. So another weird thing about Brazil. So in the 90s, we basically just bought radio transmitters and set up our own radio to talk about Jesus. Totally illegal, totally not recommend that. But we did that because it's for Jesus, right? So I met, so I met these guys, and we end up going to this discipleship training school, and they tell us about all these people who don't know Jesus. I get to read a book that is called Operation World, and they list all these countries and like how many Christians they have in each country, and you can pray like how to pray for them. So my mind's like, wow, there's all these places that don't know anything about Jesus. Next step, I end up um, on a on a short-term trip trip to Peru, so. Okay, so growing up in Brazil, uh, when I was a kid is when the military dictatorship ended. So it was a very, very different country than you probably experienced growing up. It was like very poor, um, things were really hard, and I didn't see... I, I never got into a car until I was seven years old, never met anyone who got in an airplane until I was like 15, 16, probably. Anyway, things were very different. So it was a miracle, God gave him the opportunity to go to Peru. So I go to Peru. On my 18th birthday, I remember because I had a little cupcake on the airport in Bolivia, and um, so we, we go we go to this mountain village, like the Quechua people in the mountains in Andes and in the Peruvian Andes, and I, I hear that some of the people who came there for that. Um, Meeting had walked for two days or more, so they had been walking from one side of the mountains. Like these are massive valleys, right? So they, they came from all the other side to be there because they heard missionaries are coming to talk about Jesus. So anyway, we have this amazing night where we're singing like for a long time. You know, uh, there's like yeah, it's like incredible move of God in that place. But next morning, I had the opportunity to teach uh, uh, a Bible study to a group of young guys. And those guys like they're eating it up they're like everything they're like tell me more tell me more and then they finally said hey why don't you move here like move here you can work with us the world farmers you're not going to starve you can live with us you have a bible you can teach us about jesus just move here so i tell my pastor who took me there and i said hey i i decided i want to stay here you know i want to i want to move here i'm going to tell them about jesus they're hungry for jesus i can talk about jesus he looks at me like shaking his head like a mom it's going to kill me to stay here. <laughs> it's like, so I, I was being raised by a single mom. So imagine like a single mom, her son joined this crazy cult, that's how she fought at that point, point. and now he's like in another country. This is before cell phones, internet or anything, so she's thinking like I've been kidnapped by some guerrilla group on the mountains or something. So I, I disappear, you know, so he's like, you're not staying here. Thankfully, I listened to him. Uh, I end up going to, to Turkey, and that's how my story intersects with Arizona. So actually, for me to be able to go to Turkey, so I learned Spanish, because there was ministry and church planting in Latin America, but then I had to learn English so I could learn Turkish, because there's no dictionaries Portuguese, Turkish, our leader in Turkey was an American guy, which then I realized later that when you learn English in the UK, it's not the same language as people speak in America, but that was new for me anyway. we had to learn English, and then I go, I go to Turkey, and in my first year there, my very first summer there, I meet a, a team of people from Arizona, from Tempe. And in that team, there's two very important people for me. One very, very important, the other one's kind of important. First one is my wife. The, the second one is Jim, right? <laughs> so I met Jim, and, really, and he says he claims that I owe him you know, uh, my life because he prophesied that we were going to get married one day. Long story there, but I'll give him credit for that. Um, so, anyway, I met Julie, and I met Jim, and I got connected to them. Many years later, you know, I thought I was going to spend my whole life in Turkey. Um, I ended up marrying Julie, and I ended up here. And, but the same thing is still always there. That the reason why I'm here, the reason why I can communicate with you right now, in English, you know, however much accent I have or not, is way better than if I was talking like this. If I falando em português com vocês agora, vocês não not entendendo nada. So, just be glad that, you know, I learned enough Portuguese, and um, that I'm I mean enough English that I'm here to share with you this morning because of God's heart for the nations. Because He's the one that is constantly working through our story, He's constantly working. And then this morning through Scripture we're gonna see how God's mission is unfolding right now in front of us. And, and you and I are part of it in many ways. So what is God's mission? So there's many definitions that we can we can talk about, but basically God's mission is to redeem people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation from sin and to restore his creation, right? He's working to redeem everything, all of us from every nation. And in in verse nine, so I'm going to read it again. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open seals for you are slain and, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Right, so we see in this text here, that God is actually fulfilling, so, we're, we're, so the, the, the end of the Bible, right, so there's a lot of things that we see in Revelation that is a fulfillment, that's an end, that is what's happening, like, as a consequence of all these other things that happen throughout the Bible, right, that's why if you read Revelation without, like, like a new believer, I made that mistake, actually, first, what's the first book you read in the Bible when you get a new Bible, right, Revelation, no, don't do that, that that's what I did, does not work, so, um, <laughs> But if you, like, if you look at the end, then you see what's happening in relationship to all these other promises, right? So we see that, that God has this heart for the nations, that from the beginning, he was planning to gather for himself all these people from all these different places in the world. That This is not an accident. It wasn't, um, you know, something that just happened. Oh, okay, now I have all these people. I'm going to get them too, you know? So here's the thing. When, when we gather every, like, this is a song, what we just read, Right? Is a song, and when we gather to worship together. So, like during the pandemic, a lot of us watched stuff online, and you know, you can watch a sermon online, you can kind of like listen to it, but there is something that you can only do when you're in person together, right? Which is to worship, to sing to Jesus together. And there's something very powerful that happens there, because we're actually practicing for eternity. We're doing something that we're going to do together. And I hope you're a very good listener right now, and I know it's warm and pretty soon you're going to fall asleep a little bit. But for the most part, when you're listening to a sermon, you're you're just sitting there and listening. But when you stand up and you're singing and you think that throughout this whole globe right now, like every time zone, as the time is passing, there's people gathering in all these parts of the world singing to God, you're joining with them and we're joining and practicing something that we're going to do through all eternity that we're going to do together as God's people. So when, I, when we talk about nations here, just so you know, it's not just a political, like just not the U.S. It's like what the Bible talks about in tribes, tongues, and nations. It's all ethnic groups, right? It's like your, your color, your, where you grew up, your accents, your, your community. You know, there's many nations within a nation in that sense, right? That, that's the language that God used throughout the Bible. And we see that in verse 9, like when it says that you ransom people for God, that's a fulfillment of a promise that God made to Abraham in chapter 12, that through him, he was going to bless all nations. Right? So we see over and over again, we could go through the whole Bible seeing over and over again how God keeps saying that he was going to bless the nations, that from the beginning was his plan to, to bring all the nations to him. But why, like, why, 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 why does he use this language? Why? One of the things is that we see in, in, in Revelation here that John's painting a picture that connects back to the Passover, right? The, the, the language of the blood of the lamb, like the same way as in Exodus 12, when they sacrificed the lamb and they painted the blood in their door, and they, that's the night they were rescued from Egypt, right? But now John is saying that image applies to all of us, all nations. And in case you haven't caught that yet, you and I, we are the nations. Like they had no idea when they're talking about this, that this whole continent here existed, right? As far as we know. So like we are the nations, we are the ends of the earth in many ways. Like we are these people that they're talking about. So but when when John is using the language of tribe, tongue, people and nations, why why is that repeated there? And then again in chapter seven, and we're gonna hear that again in chapter seven. It's so, like one, I wanna tell you this, that your culture, your ethnicity, your color, your language, that all matters to God. Why? because he created you, he created me, he created all of us. And every culture reflects something about God. Every culture has a little bit of his fingerprints on it, that even in the state of brokenness and sin in the world that we live in, that we can look at every culture and see something beautiful about God. Like, you know, if you've been around, like, you know, any sort of ethnic celebration or some country celebration, and there are beautiful outfits and their music and their instruments. Someone was just talking to me after the first service about the uh, Music Instrument Museum, right? So imagine all these different instruments, like if you like music, all these different types of music, these all are parts of God's gift to all the nations, right, that are all going to come back to him one day. And the thing is, the same gift that we have in this diversity is now in our broken world big part part of the, the, the brokenness and the division and the wars and the conflict that we have, right, the difference. But the difference that we see in this verse is that one day, like it says, there were, that God ransomed from all these nations into one family. So God's family is a, is a diverse family, but it's a one united people that are, one day are gonna all be worshiping God together. So your ethnicity, your culture, and your language, language will be present in eternity. We see that here in this text, and we see in other parts of the Bible. These are parts of the gift that God gave into the nations that one day are going to come back to Him. And also, that Jesus is worth, uh, worthy of it all, right? We're seeing that He's worthy of being worshiped in all the languages, with all the dance that you can see in the world from different com- countries, from all the different energy that you see when you worship people in different countries. And, I, and I'll tell you, like, um, I'm so glad that we're going to have a lot of time in, in, you know, in the new creation in eternity to worship God. Because if you have uh, ever seen how Latinos and Africans worship, you're going to see why we need an eternity to worship God together right? So a, t- a typical Brazilian service, I mean most, most of the Brazilian church is Pentecostal, so an average church service like, would sing for at least two hours, that's a very basic one, right? And then if you're from a really Pentecostal church, then I think we all think that in those churches that, that, that there's karaoke time, because you have a line of uh, brothers and sisters who have a song for the Lord, and they will sing a song for the Lord, so those are like four hours long just singing before you get to the sermon. And thankfully to you, I've adapted enough where I'm not going to preach Brazilian style, which is for at least an hour. And, and you know, I get an hour and say, now I'm going to end. And then you preach another hour. So don't worry. I, I'm not paying attention to the time, but I'm pretty sure it'll be fine. I have 18 minutes left. Um, so I had the opportunity to worship two Sundays ago with the church in Albania. I work for an organization called City to City that helps churches get established in all, in all, over, all over the world. And we had a meeting in Albania and I'm usually pretty good with languages and picking up and understanding something, but I remember sitting there, watching the screen, singing, trying to sing with them, and I just remember thinking, which word I wonder is Jesus? Because I have no idea, like, are they singing about Jesus? I couldn't even tell, but I know, you know, they're brothers and sisters, so, until, of course, they inevitably start singing some Hillsong song, and I was like, okay, I recognize that one, so I can sing along that one. So, but that's just, just, just the nature of how God is rescuing people from all these people, tribes, and tongues, and nations, that, that we one day will be all gathered together. And like I said, every Sunday, take that as your opportunity to practice. Okay, you're practicing for something that you're going to do a lot, right? Why? Because one day you're going to forget about the people who are in front, and it's going to be the most amazing musical experience ever. And more importantly, you're going to be worshiping before the throne of God, right? So I know... Like listening to a sermon, it's more on the passive side of it, but your chance is when you stand up and you sing. So whether you raise your hand, whether you go on your knees, whatever you do, just think, I'm doing this to the Lamb, to the Lamb of God who conquered everything and rescued me for him. Okay, so God is on a mission from the beginning, like we see throughout Scripture, drawing all of us to him in just the, the, the example from Habakkuk uh, 214, it says that one day God's glory is gonna fill the earth as the waters covers the sea, right? So that's the image that through his people he's doing that. But how is that being accomplished in the world right now? Right? So we are the nations, like I said, and if you had to tell someone, how did the gospel get to America? Right? Well, probably through immigration, probably from you know. Uh, Puritan immigrants and from some European immigrants, but we don't quite know, that's actually how most of the, the world has received the gospel, not through missionary work, actually through immigration, from people taking the gospel with them unintentionally, just because they love Jesus and they get sent somewhere else, and there you go, the gospel gets there. So, but let's take the Dutch, any Dutch descendants here, anyone from Dutch background? There you go. All right, there's some Dutch people here, so stick with me there. So let's take, let's pick on the Dutch for this example. So how did the D- Dutch get the gospel? Because we had lots of Dutch immigrants that brought the, the gospel to America when they immigrated here. So a little bit of geeking out on the history here. So in 690 AD, an uh, uh, Anglo-Saxon monk from England uh, called Willy Broad, he took the gospel um, to what now is the Netherlands, right? So, but how, how did, uh, you know, how did that monk, the Anglo-Saxon monk get the, the gospel? 100 years earlier? A group of Benedictine monks, led by St. Augustine, took the gospel to Britain. Right? So there's always a, a chain of people that are being obedient to God. They take the gospel, They didn't take the gospel to other place, take the gospel to other place. And thank God for, for monks that were be, very faithful, very ingenious, and they always figured out a way to, to adapt and learn languages and figure out a way to communicate the gospel in all those different places. And they took the gospel to all these places. And then we have immigrants that, you know, in the 16th century bring the, the gospel to, to America. Okay, so God is worthy of receiving all praise and all worship in English, in Dutch, in Spanish, in Arabic, in Dari, in Turkish. But He's also worthy of receiving and being worshiped in Daju, in Pakistani, in Wanetchi, in Tibet. And in all the other 1,268 languages that have still no portion of scripture translated. Right? And I know you can research, there's different numbers, but this is the best one I could find. Uh, the point is, there's a lot of languages right now that have not a single portion of scripture translated in that language. That they have nothing. Right? So if you're holding a Bible, or if you have an app on your phone with maybe, I don't know, 20 different versions of it, like, you are so blessed, right? Because so many people in the world right now don't have any portions of Scripture. But Jesus is worthy of being worshipped by them. And we know, based on this text, that one day they're going to be there before the throne of God. So they're going to they're hear, and they're going to uh, be able to worship God in their own language. And there are still over 3,000 people groups with little to no access to the gospel, right? So that, that is millions of people that still haven't heard about Jesus, so I, and I know sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind around numbers. So that's the last number I'm going to give you. But the point is, there's a lot of people in the world right now that are waiting for someone to tell them the good news. And, but God is still at work. God is, you know, we're going to see that God has many ways, not just that, but he's primarily using his people to, to tell the good news in different parts of the world. right? So that leads me to my second and last point. Um, I'm Almost good on time. So God's mission is our mission. So there's this theologian that a lot of us here at Redemption love to read. His name is Chris Wright. It says, the mission of God's people is to bring good news to a world where bad news is depressingly endemic. So the mission of God's people is to bring good news to a world where the bad news is depressingly endemic. Right, and in verse 10 it says, you have made them kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth, kingdom and priests to our God. So you can add that to your business card now. If you didn't know that, you are kingdom and priests to our God. So it's not just the people that stand up in the front here. we are all priests. And I actually love that um, in First Peter chapter two verse nine, there's a, a little bit more uh, unpacked way that Peter talks about it, where he says. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, you have not just been saved from something. We've all been saved From sin, from death, from destruction, from all the the horrible things that comes from being apart from God, but we've also been saved for something. We've been saved for a purpose. God has a purpose for all of us. So my prayer for you this morning is that, like, if you're still with me, awake enough that that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, that you're discerning what God is doing in your life. Because as as you've seen, you know, even like, we all have a story here. God is working in you throughout all your life, and in this morning God is doing something to you, and I hope that something is clicking today, that you are seeing more and more what God has for you, the plans that he has for you, because that's what it means for us to be priests. That's what it means for us to be his, his royal priesthood, that we represent God in this world, that we're presenting uh, the good news to this world, that we're inviting people to be part of God's family. Right? So, Let me tell a story of a, a Dutch missionary. So, I, I, the reason why I picked the Dutch is because they actually I've been personally blessed by, by a Dutch missionary. So there's this, um, in the early 50s, uh, a Dutch missionary uh, by the name of uh, Gustav Birgensten, I probably totally butchered his last name, but there's only one Dutch person here, so the only one they can tell. Uh, so, you know, he, he felt a calling from God. Like, first, he you know, God saved when he was around 15, 16, at 18, he felt God calling him, and, and then he's like joins a, a group of like a prayer a prayer group. They had uh, a prayer team that met, you know, every every week in a house. And out of that group of people, so if anyone here has read, you know, missionary biographies, so there is one guy called um, Brother Andrew. He was God smuggler. That's a book that tells his story about taking the Bibles into the Soviet Union. So so Brother Andrew and another lady called Quarantine Boom were part of this this prayer team, and they all prayed together, and God called many of them to go into the nations. And Pastor Gustavo, we call him Pastor Gustavo, he he decided he wanted to go to Brazil, so he asked someone in Brazil, where is a place that there's no believers, there's no uh, any missionaries there? So he ends up almost in the border between Brazil and Bolivia. So this is the 50s. So he's 20 years old, he's getting ready, just got married, he didn't know that time, but his wife was pregnant. So he just got married, 20 years old, moving to Brazil. He's doing some dental treatment. And his dentist says, Hey, actually, you have a lot of like stuff to do in your teeth before you can go. And you know there's no dental treatment where you're going. So you gotta take it care of It's like I can't wait. I have to go. Like I have a, everything's already set. So it's like, what is the option? I like, I can pull all your teeth and give you a denture, but you're too young for that. It's like, no, do it. Just like just I, I want to go now, I need to go now, everything is set. So 20 years old, no teeth on the top, denture, goes to Brazil with his new wife, gets to Brazil um, in, this, in this little village where most people there were descendants from African slaves doing witchcraft and trying to like, you know, scare them away by doing all this witchcraft around them. And the other group of people was the Nabiquara, a, a native Brazilian tribe that was you know, often attacking the town. Um, so he goes back to the Netherlands because he realized that the only way he's going to reach people in that giant area is with an airplane. So he goes back to the Netherlands. Brother Andrew gives him his old Volkswagen Beetle that he used to smuggle Bibles into the Soviet Union. He travels around the Netherlands, collects enough money to buy an airplane, goes back to Brazil. He's flying, visiting all these different tribes, and he's visiting all these families and farmers that live in like, these remote places. And he gets to know... This one family that had the, wife, the 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 mother had heard the gospel for the first time through radio, but she had never met a Christian. So he disciples them, tells them more about Jesus. Out of that family, the two brothers become missionaries too, and and you know those brothers become my pastors, the ones that you know disciple me and train me later, many years later. But one one last story about Pastor Gustavo. So. He landed one day in a tribe, an unbequad tribe that was known for being really hostile towards people from outside. And as soon as he gets out of his airplane, they all have their bows and arrows, they're ready to kill him. And he's like, well, I guess that's it, this is the end, you know, that's like the way I'm going to go. But he feels like the Holy Spirit is telling him, pull out your denture. So He pulls out his denture, it's like, what a strange way to die. Uh, So as he's holding his denture out. the the tribe starts to go like this, and obviously they can't pull their teeth out like he did. So they think he's some sort of God or something. So they lower their spears and their bows and arrows down. They actually begin a friendship. They begin to talk. He begins to visit them regularly. Sometime later, he actually baptizes the disciples and baptizes the, the chief, and the whole tribe come to know Jesus. And then the son of that chief is actually baptized by my pastor. Anyway, it's like, it's the whole thing, like, So you never know when you take all your teeth out what might happen, right? So (laughs) uh, There's still hope if you've lost all your teeth. Maybe God used that somehow. Um, So, But you and I are here because of that, right? Because throughout history, God has called us to be his priests, to be his people, to take the good news to all these places where people haven't known him yet, right? And I could, could not talk about this without mentioning Matthew 28, 19, 20. If you ever heard any message about missions at all, you know that that's where we go to. Why? Because that's, those are the words of Jesus himself to his disciples. And just in case you haven't caught that, it's you and me. Like, we are his disciples, right? And what does he say? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. Like, oh, no, no, it's for you. It's for all of us. Like, all of us. Okay, you're like, but how, how does that connect to me? Like, like how, how do I actually do this? I'm glad you asked. So how do you do this? You're actually lucky, because I think God, in some ways, got tired of waiting for us to send enough people, so he's working other ways, too. right? So we still need to send people. But if you live in Arizona, like, we have so many thousands of international students every year here. We have some people here in the church that work with international students. So actually, God is bringing the nations to Arizona. So you have the opportunity to just demonstrate and and befriend an international, someone from another country who maybe never met another Christian. And you have the opportunity to talk about the love of God with them. Right? And it doesn't, doesn't require you losing your teeth and, you know, buy an airplane, flying you know, move into the jungle in Brazil. That's okay. I'm not going to pray for you to move to Brazil. Don't worry. Um, but like, it doesn't require that much. Maybe it just requires you asking around here, okay, how do we get involved with international students? And we can help with that, right? So there's many ways that God is already working here. So you can get involved with international students. You can get involved with refugees. We have a lot of refugees in Arizona. And there's ministries that we're connected to that welcome refugees, people who never met another Christian in their life, right? And they come here, and you have the opportunity to be the first person that welcomes them into our country. and So think of the opportunities that God has given us. So Dobson Carter, Lilies, anyone likes Asian food? Like, like any plan? Now you're gonna eat lunch there. You know that, right? When you talk about it, then you end up gonna. There's lots of Asian food and good places there. I met a Vietnamese pastor this week on Monday. And he was telling me, like, did you know that there's over 40,000 Vietnamese people in Arizona? I was like, no way. I mean, I can kind of see that when you walk around Dobson. So basically, there's all these nations here down Dobson, right? That is, like, super close to us. And not just from Vietnam, but many other nations. And actually, you can get Arabic food. There's Arabic immigrants. There's all sorts of people. And I'll, and I'll tell you, like, we, we had uh, some neighbors a few years ago. They were Vietnamese, and we're hanging out, and we invite them over to come to our house for Easter. So they come to our house for Easter, and they, you know, ask, what is Easter? So we explain what Easter is, and like, who is Jesus? I was like, how long have you been in the U.S.? It's like they had never heard about, they didn't know what Easter was, they didn't know who Jesus was. The wife had been around the U.S. for seven years or so, The, the husband had been longer. They had never been to an American home. They obviously had no connection with any Christians, or at least that they knew of that told them anything, right? Because they didn't know anything about Jesus, right? So those are our neighbors. Maybe that's your coworker. Maybe that's someone that you work out with, or, you know, someone that's already in your life. That, you know, another sad thing is that most of the international students that come to the US actually never visit an American home. They never get to make, you know, American friends. They never have the opportunity to hear the gospel, but they are here. God is bring them here. So we can engage them here through, you know, Dobson Corridor, if you want an easy, easy way, just go eat somewhere there, make friends there, international students, refugees, or you, obviously there's still many, many people that are waiting for, for people to go there and announce Jesus, right? And I know at this point, maybe some of you will be like, okay, you know, learning a foreign language is hard. I took, I took Spanish in high school, but really, come on, like, that, that's it, right? But, like, the thing is, like, when we were in Egypt last year, like, that was something that I'm always kind of suspicious. Like, what is the role of a church like ours in reaching the nations in places that are really hard? Because there's a reason why they're the last people that need to be rich with the gospel, right? Because they're usually hard places, right? So what is our role as a church to reach those places? And I remember the church in Cairo said, that one of the pastors said, look, as an Egyptian pastor, like, there's many places where I cannot go. But if I go with an American guy and we suddenly have a crowd that we can talk to. And of course, the American guy may not speak Arabic, but then the Egyptian pastor can talk, right? And I heard the same story from a Brazilian missionary who was in Egypt. They said they would, that he would, pair, you know, he would be paired with an Egyptian pastor, they would go to the university, and the Brazilian guy would start talking, and of course, you know, a Brazilian guy talking broken Arabic attracts a little crowd, so then the Egyptian guy would start talking about Jesus, and then the police would come and they'll run, and then they'll do it again next day, and so they just kept that going, right? But there's, there's opportunities for us as foreigners still to go into many places where, like I said, there's so many people still waiting for the Bible to be translated in their language, right? Like this very moment right now, there's someone in a little hut somewhere, on a little laptop, you know, powered by solar panels or something, that they're learning to graph a language that's not, never been written so they can translate portions of Scripture into that language, right? So that could be you. That could be one of you. That you could be someone who translates the Bible into a language that right now they cannot hear about Jesus or they cannot read anything about the Bible, right, about God, right? And God is worthy of that. And that's what it means for us to be a kingdom and priests for him. And God has called us to be a faithful witness in the nations. So I'm going to pray right now. And like I said, my prayer is that, um, that God is steering something in each one of you. And, and the, main, the main thing that I want to leave with you is that if you don't know, if you have no idea how to start, join us in prayer Sunday mornings here in the hospitality room at 7.30 a.m., right? Or pray with people in your RC or at work. You know, download the Joshua Project app. And they'll give you like, unreached people groups, people groups that, uh, p- groups of people who have little to no access the, to the gospel. I like, can pray for one each day. Like, just, just join us in prayer, praying, because we know that God is the only one who can do this kind of crazy stuff that I just talked about, right? Like, if, if, the reason why that's all insane is because we know only God moves people to do those things, and we see how God works in that way. So I'm gonna pray, and there's um, um, a few ways that we can respond this morning. And obviously, I want to invite you to sing. I just made a case that why you need to sing with everything you have, because that's the gift that God has given you, right? Like whether you think you have a good voice or not, whether you have an accent or not, whatever it is, like sing, sing to the lamb, the lamb that is worthy of it all, that is worthy to be praised in Arabic, in Turkish, and all these languages, with all this beautiful music that will come with it, right? When we get to practice and rehearse that today, you can pray, you can take communion, and take communion together. Remember that the lamb that was sacrificed so we could be here today and you can give. So I'm gonna pray and then we can respond together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for everybody, everybody that you brought here, Lord. and they, Whether they, they came just because a friend invited them, Lord or they came here, Lord, uh, not expecting anything, Lord, I know that, that you are at work in every person present here this morning, Lord, that you are, your spirit is at work in our stories, Lord, that you are calling us to you, that we're not here this morning by accident, that you are speaking to us, to us, to each one of us, and also as a community, and telling us what it means for us to be priests, Lord, to be a royal priesthood that dedicates our lives, Lord, to serve you, to be a blessing to the nations, Lord, to be part of your mission, Lord. May we find our mission in you, Jesus, our purpose in you, Lord, as we serve you for all we have, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.